God more. Getting to come before your throne of grace. We'll find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And we thank you, Lord, that because we need you and we acknowledge our need, you come and you strengthen us. You give us knowledge, revelation, understanding, and help of all kinds. And we thank you for that, Father. We bless you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Miss Tony, I just, I'm going to pray in the spirit a little bit. I just felt like God might have a word for you, honey, okay? Thank you, Lord. Why don't you come on up? Thank you, Jesus. Well, the Lord is telling me, um, he gives me a word for you in his honeymoon. I don't know if that has significance for you. If you, you had a good honeymoon, you never had a honeymoon uh, in your natural marriage, but God is saying that he is uh, considered this not as a challenge to your health, but as a honeymoon with him. And he says that he loves you so much, he's, he's gathering you to himself. And he wants to have this time with you that he might reveal himself to you. Many things he can show you and wants to show you. Uh, just as a bride would, 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 would have the total attention of the bridegroom. He says, you have, I have your total attention, you have my total attention. And the Lord is saying this is not a time of doubt or fear or stress for you, but it's a time of rejoicing in me, says the Spirit of God. And he says, if you will, if you will look for it, there is rejoicing inside of you. He said, and I put it there. He said, where most people would consider this uh, to be a discouraging and a depressing time. He said, there's rejoicing in you because you're having the great honeymoon with your beloved and your prince and your king, your maker, and your husband. And he said, I am being all of this to you at this time, and that's all I'm doing, says the Lord. Amen. All he's doing. Praise God. Amen. 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 And uh, I want to go, but, you know, I, amen. <laughs> we'll just let you enjoy that and praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, I didn't have no honeymoon neither. Amen. I'm sorry, Miss Tony. I digress. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. He's good, isn't he? Amen. All right, sweetie. I love you, sweetie. Amen. Praise God. All right. He is good. Amen. He is good. His mercy endures forever. Endures forever. Endures forever. Amen. Thank God he's not like us. Huh? He's, his anger lasts only for a moment, but when he sees the blood, there's peace between us. Amen. All that's necessary is confidence in the blood of Jesus. Amen. So, Father, we do thank you and we bless you and we praise you for this time with you and we honor you and love you. Open up your word to us that we might know what you're speaking to us fully. So we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your presence and hear your word love you and respect you and honor you and lift you up and magnify you 
You are worthy to be praised, Lord. You're the only one. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So God rules in the kingdom of men. And <clears throat> I was thinking about this recently, but there are because there are so many uh, voices now speaking in the earth. And uh, because <clears throat> of changes, uh, politically speaking, and, uh, you know, we've had some prophecies about uh, events that are occurring in the earth. And God has told us that he is stirring up, he's stirring up dust. Amen. And for us to wait for the dust to settle, to know exactly what he's doing. And I think that's a wonderful thing because we know when you know God's in charge for real, you know, sometimes, you know, life is so, so confused and hectic and crazy. Every day there's a different report about something. And, and sometimes you get the, the impression that God's, where, you know, where is God and what's he doing and all this. And, and so but we've been already told by God that he is working and he is changing things. He is setting some up and putting some down. And I know many times Christians will get confused. They see all kind of things on Facebook. You know, how can you be a Christian and vote for so-and-so? And how can you do this and how can you do that? Well, we have a conscience that tells us what to do. Our conscience will bear witness with us in the Holy Spirit. And those of us who don't ever deviate from the truth of God's word have a sure leading from the Holy Spirit as what to do. Then there are people that say, uh, God doesn't care who we vote for, and that's not true either. And so I thought when I was studying the Word, and I, I found some, some things that I want to share with you about that, God is very much interested in who runs stuff down here. You got me? He is very much interested in it. He gives us dominion. He, he has given us dominion on the earth. Uh, we have rulership down here, but it's all under Him. So I thought I would share some scripture with you and share some biblical examples of how God, uh, how God rules in the kingdom of men. Amen. In Daniel chapter 4, if you'll turn there, uh, in verse 30 or 32, let me see. It says here, And he shall drive thee from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. Amen. And gives it to whomsoever he will. And so you see evidence here. This is a uh, situation, as most of you know, Daniel the prophet was uh, taken to Babylon. He was taken captive to Babylon. And this is because of disobedience of leadership. And if you think that God doesn't care who rules over you, you're very much mistaken because he wants godly men to rule over us at all times. He wants good men to rule over us at all times. He is not up for a lot of shenanigans and foolishness and nonsense when it comes to governing people. And so God will lift one up and he will set one down. And so Daniel was captive in the land of Babylon because uh, the leadership over Israel had turned away from their God. And was in serving other gods that incurred a penalty or a curse on that whole nation. 
and that whole nation went into captivity. So whenever you see Israel out from under God's control, you know it's because of disobedience. That's all there is to it. And so as Daniel was captive, but still, Daniel will not allow the righteous to suffer with the wicked. And so Daniel was placed in a high position in the kingdom at some point because he stood for his God. You can get promoted anywhere if you stand for God. He doesn't care who's in charge. You know, sometimes I hear people, uh, people, you know, who work, and, and I haven't worked a secular job in a long time, but I do know this, that when I worked one, I knew if I did what I was supposed to do and went to work on time, if I pretty much obeyed the rules, you know, I did okay. Now, I knew there were people. I, I've been in situations where people didn't want me working there. They, you know, tried to get rid of me. You know, I was one of those people. I took my job seriously, and I saw a lot of people uh, goofing up in different things, and I would, you know, go to them about it and, and speak to them, and uh, people didn't like it. If you, you know, if you're working in a profession where life and death is in your hands, there there has to be some kind of inner integrity to make you do the right thing at all times. And when you see people not doing that, it does make you angry. So many times I was the troublemaker, the rabble rouser, think I know more than everybody. I said, I know enough to come to work and do a good job. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and somehow I weathered through all of that not even being a believer. You got me? But I'll hear people say things like, my boss doesn't like me. And I think to myself, man, if you only knew who went to work with you every day. <laughs> you know? When Elijah told, told the servant, he asked he, he, the servant said, oh, look at all the forces arrayed against us. Elijah told the Lord, just open his eyes. You know, if you could just have your eyes open for one brief minute to see who goes to work with you, you wouldn't worry about a boss that don't like you. Because yeah. he could poof evaporate in one day. You understand what I'm saying? And so this is what happened with King Nebuchadnezzar. He was uh, uh, a man who really was seeking God, but he was devoted to other gods as well. And his main problem was pride. After God had revealed himself to him, his main problem was pride. And so he had a dream that he couldn't interpret, and none of the other wise men could interpret it. And so finally Daniel shows up. And he, this is part of the dream that Nebuchadnezzar sees, and he he is is going to be replaced in his uh, office as king over Babylon because God was not pleased with him. Don't worry about people who are wicked and underhanded and dirty, and you know God's not pleased with that. Um, but if, if we as believers continue to pray the prayer of agreement with them and vote for them and allow them to continue doing what they're doing, then there's no hope for us. But God always gives us an out, and that is to come to him in repentance and prayer. God, look at this. We let this go on for this long and that long, and look what the result is now. You know, one of the things that, that grieves God is abortion. You know it hurts the heart of God. If you look in the Bible, you see what he's done with people who kill babies. And you know he's not for that stuff. 
And so we have to hold the line, you know, even though people still get many, many abortions every day and every year, as believers, we have to hold the line. You can't ever just say, well, just shrug it, well, you know, whatever. And it, you start doing that, and, and uh, you know, God has nobody down here to come for when he wants to pull the righteous out, amen, and, and punish the wicked. And he does punish wicked people. So he doesn't give everybody a pass just because of grace, you know, this kind of nonsense people think. Don't think God likes this stuff. Huh? He'll rain fire down from heaven. He's the same God. Just because we haven't seen it don't mean he won't do it. You got me? And so we have to always uphold what's right and uphold God's standard as Daniel did. And so if you turn to Daniel 2.21, it says, and he changes times and seasons. This is the first time Daniel was called on to interpret a dream. And then Daniel, verse 19, it says, Then was the secret revealed to Daniel in a night vision, and Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Amen. This belongs to Daniel saying, Listen, you calling on me because of a gift that's in me, but I don't control the gift and it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. He said, wisdom and might are God's. I don't have anything here. And he changes the times and seasons. We see that in Amos 9.13, don't we? And he says he removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. And so he removes kings and sets them up. And so Nebuchadnezzar, as long as Daniel was in the court, had somebody who could hear from God when he couldn't hear from God. But he also had somebody who was a straight arrow. You know, these people are, they're, they're a blessing and a curse to some people sometimes. Because there are people in the midst of them who know what's going on and understand what's going on, but God has their heart. We need to pray for people like that to be in, in high places in government. For God, God put a Daniel in the governor's mansion, in the White House, in every place conceivable in government, so that they, they're people that know you and have your heart, even though they may be trusted to work with people, but these are people that you can count on, amen, when you need them. And so he deposes kings, he raises them up, he sets them down. He rules in the affairs of men. Romans 13.1 tells us that all the powers that be are of God. Ooh, even the wicked people? Mm-hmm. Even the people you don't like? The Bible says, God says, I created the waster to destroy. Mm-hmm. He said, I created the waster to destroy. So there are, are times where God, God has to use people. For good and for evil, because there's good and evil down here loose in the earth. He would much rather use people for good, but, you know, sometimes people, you know, sometimes the the blinders need to be pulled off the eyes of people. You need to see who people really are sometimes. And so God will do things like that, even though, you know, those people are in power down here on the earth. Look at, at Hitler. People say, well, it was... God was was Hitler God's choice well I know he gave him power to do what he did 
And that power really came from agreement from the people. You got me? Moving in a deceptive way, people were able to allow him to get in power, and they didn't know the full extent of what he had in mind until he got there. You got me? Amen. And so, and God has to show us, and then when people began to cry out and want their freedom again, then God will show up and, and set them free. So in 13 verse 1, it says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Bless you. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained by God. Amen. They're ordained by God. They're ordered by God. And it says in verse 3, rulers are not a terror to good works. So if you mind your business and do what's right, you don't have to worry about people. But if you have a voice to remove them and you know they're evil, you use your voice. You got me? You use your voice. And so God wants to do that. He wants to remove all evil. And so sometimes it takes a little stirring around. It takes a little confusion, a little unusual things for God to do what he wants to do. But God will have his way if his people will take a righteous stand and refuse to be moved. Amen. Just refuse to be moved. In John 19:11, Jesus facing Pilate, and Pilate asks him, you know, Pilate wants him to try and defend himself. It makes people in authority angry when they don't upset you. <laughs> John 19, <coughs> verse 11, verse 10, Pilate said unto him, are you not going to answer me? Don't you know I have power to crucify you and power to release you? And Jesus said, you wouldn't have any power at all against me except it was given to you by heaven. You got me? I have an in with the guy who runs heaven. Amen. He said, therefore, he that delivered me into your, into your hands has a greater sin. Got me? And so, in other words, God's going to get everybody down here. Amen. <laughs> but he will deliver the righteous. You know? In Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7. Palms, 75. promotion comes neither from the east or west or north or south <clears throat> or, or south but God is the judge he puts down one and sets up another so God has power over who's in office he has power it says, but God is the judge amen he does this by his righteous judgment and so God knows who to set up he knows how to put down and he knows how to do what at what time so God is the final authority in control. I would say this. I would be more concerned about what God's up to than what these, you know, uh, underlings are up to. You know, definitely tap into what God has to tell you about the, the affairs going down here on the whole earth. God had given the whole earth to Nebuchadnezzar. He set him up as the ruler over everything. And at some point, he did take him down, amen, because he wasn't pleasing to him. So God has the power to reverse something that he does. 
He has the power to uh, put somebody in office and, and power to take somebody out. <clears throat> the story about Pharaoh and Moses is an interesting story about God setting one up and putting one down. Pharaoh first appointed Joseph as ruler over Egypt because Joseph had all the answers that he needed. Uh, leaders like competent people. Amen. They don't like people who aren't trustworthy. They don't like people who aren't competent. They want the best out of people. And so it was found that Joseph was the one who had all the answers. He was able to interpret a dream uh, by Pharaoh. <coughs> Let me say one thing about gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're released as the Spirit wills. And the Holy Spirit knows all things. Um, just because he'll give you a word of knowledge about this and a word of knowledge about that, it doesn't mean that, it, it really doesn't mean anything other than that, that there's a person that's a yielded vessel who understands at least how to cooperate with God and how to work with God, and also that there's a person in need. And that happens, that interaction happens all the time down here on earth. But the gifts belong to God, and they operate as the Spirit wills. Now, many times the Holy Spirit will allow people to be uh, uh, fluid in certain gifts, and gifts of the Spirit, but he also has the option to dry that, those up. You know, if it looks like it's not going to benefit and profit everybody, he will dry those things up. There has to be also in a vessel, if you're a servant of God, a certain level of maturity and character that, that has to carry that or it won't go very far. You know, in case in point, if you're a person who can prophesy, look at all the Chaldeans that were employed in the palace that didn't have an answer for amen for Pharaoh because they couldn't tap into their stuff they used to be able to work with. Got me? And so when, when you're not able to tap into that flow, you're left without. And so God will use somebody, will put that gift on somebody more to his liking, his choosing. And so really, uh, 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 um, um, Joseph had that gift of dream interpretation. But if you look at his life, it came and it left. It was on him when he was a young kid, and then he got thrown in the pit for blabbing his mouth off, and the, the gift left. You didn't see it when he was employed by Potiphar. You said, saw no evidence of that gift in his life. And when he was in the, the prison for the first few years, you see no evidence of that gift. So God will lift a gift out of a person's life until he's ready to restore it to them. And so Daniel, I mean, Joseph had that gift restored to him after he had spent a number of years in prison to realize that that gift did not belong to him. It took him all them years to figure that out. Also, God put him in prison to teach him what it's like to be on the downside. See, that's a faithful. See, a lot of times people don't like preaching like this because we want to have an easy road all the time. And really what ease is what our flesh calls ease most of the time. You, you're not, you're, you ain't thinking about your spiritual development. 
Uh, we think it about let's get it and get more of it so we can spend it fast. And, hmm? But God is looking for something else out of people. He's looking for the character of his son to develop uh, very strong in people. Because the devil's got strong stuff out here. See, we could many times we could get a pass on the way that we live if the devil didn't have so much hell in him. See, if he wasn't killing people. So look at all the people on drugs. It's starting at 10 and 11 years old. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And so we got an unmerciful devil out here. We can't be half carnal and half spiritual trying to minister for God. We got to be all the way in there, folks. You can't, mm, no, absolutely not. And so uh, God then begins to develop people for what he eventually wants them to do. And so this is what he did with Joseph. Joseph was in prison being developed. We all know he was falsely accused. I see if he had been in there because he actually raped Potiphar's wife, we wouldn't have so much good to say about him. But he was falsely accused. But God let him do some time anyhow. For all of the mothers who think that my baby don't do nothing wrong. Baby, baby stole your stuff. All that stuff you got missing and didn't know where it went, he stole that. You understand me? Baby is still like anybody else's baby will. huh? And so, so we, we have to understand that God sees the heart. He's developing the character of his son in all of us. But before he can put gifts on us sometimes, he will withhold them for a season. I'd rather have a gift withheld for a season so that it could be be perfect in God's employ than to be able to run with the gift all the time and work at a very shallow level of I really would. Now some people don't mind. They you know, you get a lot of gift you can give a prophecy to somebody, you get a lot of attention nowadays but i'm telling you them days the happy days for that stuff is almost over because if people get bored with that real quick you know they get tired of standing in line for an hour and hearing the same thing you told them the night before and so i'm just being honest with it i mean i'm not the only person that thinks like that y'all better wake up in here and there's nothing to do against the gift trust me i respect the gift and all of that but at some point that has to give way to something there's a reason god's training your spirit to hear his voice and to speak if you could release that totally to him got me and let him be master of it and some people cannot release things totally to god they have to be taken away from him for a season it's like joseph i mean check with the bible and see if i ain't telling the truth but if this boy was locked up in prison and he hadn't done anything wrong except to faithfully serve his master and serve God, then there's a higher purpose for him having to endure this injustice in his life. And so we see later in Joseph's life that it comes clear to him why he's imprisoned and all of that. And so God did it so that he can make him trustworthy. If he can trust you over your own emotions... And entrust you to stay under the authority of evil people who mean you nothing but harm. Got me? 
then he can trust you with greater things. Your character is developed because then you're trusting God to release you from bondage. You're trusting God to clear things up for you. Like Jesus, before Pilate, he spoke nothing on his own behalf. Huh? When God sees you speaking on your own behalf, you're not done yet. And I know you got a right to defend yourself. you got all these rights. But you serve a God who is much higher than that, who is the ultimate deliverer. And if we will hold our peace and allow God to do these things, he releases you when it's time for you to be released. And so if we'll trust God to release us at the proper time, then we'll have our deliverance. We'll also have our character developed. We will have everything that we need uh, in a situation, and we'll find ourselves in places we never thought we would be. Joseph never thought he would be, and when he saw that vision of him and his father and his brothers bowing down to him, he and it wasn't even a picture of them, it was a picture of wheat. And so when you see a, a, a simile or a figure of yourself, you have no idea of time, place, person, who you have a sense of what's going on, but you have no clue. And so Joseph never saw himself in Egypt. He never saw himself uh, as a prime minister of that nation, riding around in a, 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 a chariot, you know, and everybody bowing to him. Not just his family, but the whole nation bowed yeah. to him. Amen. And so we don't see the vision. We don't see the end result. And, and so that gives us some anxiety about where we're going. But God knows when to deliver us, when to lift us up, elevate us, put us in our place, establish us, and keep us going. Joseph was established. His reputation in Egypt was so great that it kept his, the, the, um, his descendants in good stead with the, a hostile government for 400 years. For 400 years, they remembered Joseph and how he brought them out of the famine, and they honored his descendants for that. But after 400 years, things changed. And so after the 400 years, and that was prophesied to Abraham and by Abraham over his descendants, the, I'm sorry, uh, by Joseph over his descendants, then there was time for them to be released because the Egyptian people had made life hard for the Hebrew people. And so then God releases Moses into that place of being a deliverer for his people. Let me tell you this. If, if evil people are giving you a hard time, God does not like it. Don't ever get it twisted. But he knows that you can endure it as long as you stay close to him. You got me? And so endure sometimes we must so that we can see the greater glory in God coming forth out of these situations. We allowed the Supreme Court to get the authority to make abortion legal in this nation. And when it happened, many people rejoiced, but there were many people who hated it. And so when, when evil, evil is in power, God has to work and establish something that will turn that thing around. And so God has all, always hated murder. Uh, when you kill the innocent, that's what that is. And you can't, there's no denying it. You can't say, well, the government says it. Who is the government? Anyway, that's us. We allow that stuff. You understand what I'm saying? 
And I believe we were deceived into accepting that because now everybody goes to the Supreme Court to get issues settled. Some of them are minor issues, but some of them have have life and death consequences for a whole nation of people. When a nation has blood on their hands, blood guiltiness is a different kind of guilt than lying or stealing or cheating or backbiting. You got me? That's a guilt that is very, very hard to remove. And so not only that, but also the offense to God of taking over his job as God is an offense to him, and he's not pleased with it. However, God oftentimes has to allow people to see the fruit of their tolerance of evil and to allow us to make decisions about, I mean, hard decisions about whether or not we're going to continue down this road or we're going to turn around and we're going to yield to God again and yield to God in large numbers. And I believe that's what God is up to now. I believe that he is up to people yielding to him in very large numbers. He's not going small this time. He's going big. All the other revivals have been small compared to what God wants to do. But if you look at the history of humanity, when you see governments legislating, aborting babies and killing infants at birth, God must move and do something to save his inheritance. Amen. So we see that in Exodus chapter 1, and that was the birth of Moses, and you all know that story, that Moses was born uh, at a time where the Pharaoh had, uh, uh, the Egyptians had were, uh, were lording it over the Hebrews. They had them working hard and building, you know, the pyramids were built during that time, and they, they were enslaved to them. And so... <clears throat> In Exodus chapter 1, you see the story of the decree that came to Pharaoh because uh, the Egyptians began to, I mean, the uh, Hebrews began to multiply uh, and almost overrun the Egyptians. So, you know, people talk about racism is not dead. It never will be. Amen. As long as we look different. Amen. That's right. Or we come from a different ancestor. The devil's going to play with people's heads and tell them, you know, them people ain't no good. They should be doing this. They should, you know, all, that's always going to be there. I don't know how you're going to get that out of humanity. Because you can try, and, and the minute, if, if it's not color, it's religion, it's economics, so there's always going to be, in man's eyes, there's always going to be big eyes and blue ears. This is always the way it is. We look at things like that. And so when, when uh, the Hebrews then were under, under condemnation from the Egyptians, God decided he was going to move. And so the prophecy of 430 years of, of uh, Egyptian captivity, that prophecy was being fulfilled. And so now God has to send a deliverer. What happened when they noticed that the, the uh, Hebrews were multiplying rapidly in their eyes, now I don't believe for one minute there were more Hebrews than Egyptians. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Yeah. That country's full of them people. Yeah. And the Hebrews still lived in the land of Goshen. They didn't live everywhere. They had their own separate area to live in. So they're living over here. But to them, it looks like it's a whole bunch of them, yeah. and it's too many of them. 
And so this is the first thing sometimes uh, evil dictators will do. They'll work to dis- decrease the population of a certain people that they want to either eliminate, replace with another group of people to take their place you know politically and all that kind of stuff and so they'll start to work in that realm to decrease their numbers one of the things that that i believe is happening is a genocide by choice to a degree for african americans in this nation because there's more babies aborted now in washington dc that are born alive so we have genocide by choice See, we have politicians who will tell you, this is your choice. Don't let nobody take your choice from you. You have a freedom to have choice, freedom of choice, freedom of choice, freedom of choice. And that gets pumped into people's heads. And they think people who tell them that to, to keep the baby and, and trust God to, to make a place in your life for that baby or, or you can give that baby up for adoption or any. There's other options. See, they're taking your choice away from you. And so if you're a rebellious, defiant person, I'm going to take my choice. I'm going to do it. You know, you understand what I'm saying? It's a mental game. See, it's a head game where people mess with your heads long enough with ideas and that kind of stuff. And people who don't know any better, you know, they think it's okay or this is my right. Or be careful with your rights because if they ain't God's way, they wrong. You know, your right can be a wrong any day. And so we as believers have to be, you know, you have to be vigilant over these things. It's the same old thing. I've seen this in the Bible before, and I know it's not pleasing to God. So then when the Hebrew uh, midwives would go in, you know, the, the Pharaoh had said, well, you know, uh, kill the babies, you know. There wasn't even partial birth, which I think is, is execution. Yeah. You know, it's, we don't do that to people on death row. And they're hardened criminals, many of them. And so we, we have to understand where God's heart is in these things. And he wants everybody to have a chance to live, whether they belong to him or not, but especially his covenant people. He wants his, how many Christian babies do you think are aborted? You know, and you know God's not favoring that that's his inheritance i mean all all people are his inheritance but he has a special covenant with people who are in covenant with him and so he sends a pharaoh sends a decree for the midwives to uh kill the hebrew babies and you know and stop their their labor and their delivery Um, that is a very to me a very sacred job uh to have for for people to be in charge of making sure life gets here and gets here alive and gets here safely and so they they are told to abort those babies or kill them and the hebrew uh, midwives decided they weren't going to disobey god they were going to obey god amen and so they decided to deliver the babies alive and they told a story to pharaoh for those of you who love the ten commandments so much you feel you can't lie You understand what I'm saying? You can lie to a liar. (laughs) I was thinking about that, uh, the uh, guy who writes on the persecuted church, the one who was in prison, Richard Wormburn. He was saying that he, many times he lied so that uh, people that he knew on the outside 
wouldn't be hunted down. He said they would get you in there and torture you and interrogate you. And who else in your community is, is preaching the gospel? Who were tell me who's in the underground church? And they would say, No, I don't know I don't know that person or whatever or whatever. And he said that he said I would be fine until the uh, the uh, 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 guilty conscience. He said the Christian guilty conscience <laughs> would come and torture me. See, you broke a commandment. You lied. What kind of Christian are you? You understand what I'm saying? So there are things you have to work through with God when you're standing for God. These aren't situations that are are just cut and dry so easily. You know, you're going to have to work with God. You're going to have to live real close to him sometimes to get the results God wants you to get. And so we know that the, the Hebrew children were saved alive. Moses was one of them. I would I would like to, I wish every person who who marches in front of an abortion clinic would know that story. You understand what I'm saying? Would just know that, Maybe one of those mothers you talked to and she decided to keep her baby, that was the next Moses coming into the earth. Even if he wasn't a Moses, it was a lot. You understand what I'm saying? It's very, very important that we speak up in the way God tells us to speak up in these situations. And so people will say things like, well, uh, well, the Supreme Court ordered it, so it must be right. And just to let you know, in 1857, the Supreme Court issued a decree in the Dred Scott case. Now, Dred Scott was a slave, and his slave, his owner, lived in free states. He was in Illinois at one time, Minnesota. So he was a slave. The slaveholder held him, but he held him in states where slavery was outlawed. And so he sued to get his freedom because it was illegal, because slavery was only legal in certain southern states. Amen. And so West Virginia even seceded from Virginia. That state was formed because they did not want slavery there. And they said, we'll just give us our own state. You go, Virginians, go do what you want to do. We'll call ours West Virginia, and we will have slaves here. And so it was very contentious from the beginning. There were people who were totally against and totally for. And so in, dread, in, in uh, 1857, the Supreme Court decided that Dred Scott had to be returned to his slave owner because a slave was not a person. A slave was property. And it's the same thing they're doing with abortion now. That, that child does not have any rights. You find people who are willing to take the rights from the helpless unborn. When you get to be in your 60s, 70s, and 80s, they'll take your rights from you if you can't speak for yourself. (laughs) One of the things that I remember back in the 90s, we were praying against uh, Jack Kervorkian with the assisted suicide, that they almost made legal in Michigan. You know, these things, these movements are movements of influence on people's lives. I heard people, news reporters say, oh, that man's brilliant, he's ahead of his time, and he was nothing but a murderer. You got me? Nothing but a murderer. And I remember some of the times God would would instruct me how to pray against that, and he showed me a dream about a train coming through uh, uh, certain states and coming to Michigan, to dump people off because they weren't wanted anymore 
and they would have lines of people waiting to be euthanized and murdered. You got me? He said, if you don't want that to happen here, you better obey me. And I said, yes, sir. Huh? You got it? Because I didn't want it to happen. But that was what was coming if we didn't continue to pray. And we finally saw that thing come down. But one of the things that really, amen, amen, praise God. One of the things that really helped was that a movement began of disabled people who came out and marched against assisted suicide. And so they got stronger, amen. People who were uh, 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 Down syndrome families came out and protested children with uh, uh, muscular dystrophy and, and different things like that came out and protested in large numbers. And I thought, God, where do these people come from all of a sudden? God said, I got many people in the city. You got me? I got much people in the city. And so they were able to turn that around. And, and see the sanctity of life, the, the holiness of life created by God upheld again. Amen. And so, uh, but the, they decided that Dred Scott was not a person. He was property. And this decision, there was so much controversy, it precipitated the Civil War, which we know was probably one of the hardest fought and bloodiest wars, good against evil for sure. But God prevailed. Amen. God prevailed. Abortion, life, murder is still an abomination to God. So God allows it only if we do. So we hold the line against all evil. So we are making the choice. God must allow it because we have dominion down here on earth. But if he can find somebody to raise up who can speak against evil, he is looking for that person all the time. You got me? He's always looking for that person. God speaks to us all the time through pro-life groups and people put his word first and are not deceived by the enemy's deception. He works through people who will hear from him and take a firm stand on his word. He doesn't care if they're Christian or non-Christian. Now we've had a, 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 a season in this nation's history where we had someone who was a Christian running for president. And that person finally had to drop out of the race because there wasn't enough support. Many of you know Pat Robertson back in the 80s ran for president. There wasn't quite enough support for him, but I think that was not what he was called to do, to be honest with you. There have been many Christian presidents in, in people's presidents in this nation, many Christians. Richard Nixon was a Quaker. Look at what happened to him. Huh? <laughs> He was kind of an interesting person, I, I feel, because I, I had an opportunity to, to read a little bit more of his biography after a few years. He was raised in a, a Quaker home. His mother was a very devout woman, uh, but, you know, they were Quakers that, that, you know, lived, they didn't live secluded as much. He was influenced by a lot of things, but his mother had a dream when Richard was a very small boy that one day God would use him to save the nation of Israel. And Nixon always wanted to be a politician. He had always had a love for the political. 
which God, I believe, put in him because of where he eventually wanted him to be. But Nixon always saw, and, and he knew about this vision, the dream his mother had, because the mother shared it with him. He always knew he would one day get there, but he always tried to do it on his own terms. He was not what you would call a devout man who prayed to God and trusted God. He was always getting with political people and, you know, listening to them and taking their this and taking their that. And I believe the only reason he was president was to meet with Golda Meir in 19, I think it was 75 or 76. Now, he ran for president in 1960 against John Kennedy. And <laughs> y'all looking at me like it's, where is this latest ancient history? How old is she? What's she talking about? Kennedy who? I'm going to go over here and talk to some people who don't care how old I am. <laughs> but I remember it very well from my crib. And I ain't talking about crib house either. I'm, they don't even have cribs no more, do they? The baby seat. I remember it from my baby seat. But uh, people still say, politicians still say, that, that that election was stolen from Nixon. It was so close. And they believed that there was some hanky-panky to get Kennedy in there. But if you think about it, Kennedy was assassinated. Suppose Nixon had been in office. And that hit was not personal, but it was against. A lot of people like to kill famous people so they can be famous. So Lee Harvey Oswald never lived to tell his side of the story, so we don't know what motivated him. But suppose Nixon had been granted that presidency and been assassinated, he would never would have kept his divine appointment. Yes, right? yes, yes. See, when you have a divine appointment, God will make sure that you keep it. So, amen. So Richard Nixon continued in politics and eventually was elected president. And during his presidency, the Seven-Day War broke out against Israel and Palestine, I think it was. Palestinians always remember Yasser Arafat and the PLO and all that stuff. And always wanted they were the worst enemies of Israel you could ever think of. They were backed, everybody believes, by the Soviets because they had all kinds of modern weapons and Israel had nothing. And Golda Meir, the, their only woman president, was, uh, was president at that time. And she made phone calls regularly to Nixon um, because they have direct communication. The heads of governments have direct communication with one another. And so finally she got him on the phone and he said, Golda, what do you want? I'll get it for you. And so she ordered planes and, and uh, missiles and things of that nature so that they could defend themselves with. Well, when Richard Nixon did that, his purpose for being president was done. Then a year later, we see him resigning because he still upped his old shenanigans. You see how God can use people and they don't realize that this is the purpose that they... See, and when you're a Christian, you have a little bit inkling understanding of these things. But if you're a carnal-minded person, all you're thinking about was, well, i got to figure out a way to stay in office because, you know, they cheated me out of my last thing. I don't let them cheat me again. So he devises a break-in at the Democratic headquarters and gets caught. 
and pretty soon he ain't he ain't the president anymore he had to resign you know only president in history now he saves the nation of israel working for god doing this great work on one hand and he's stealing and conniving on this hand and gets caught god's a righteous judge you think god was gonna wink at that <laughs> god will use you one minute you cut up the next and he gets he cans you all in one movement huh <laughs> But the vision came to bed. The dream came to pass, right? And Israel is still here. Amen. <laughs> so God, who knows? He he lifts one up and he puts he'll lift you up and put you down. The same person. Amen. Don't have to be different people. <laughs> so God sends Moses as a deliverer. And what he does with Pharaoh was kind of interesting. He, he decides that he wants to reveal himself to Pharaoh. Now, this is interesting. Before God judges people, he gives them an opportunity to repent. Amen. Amen. Mercy always precedes judgment. Amen. So <clears throat> Pharaoh not only enslaved God's people, but he murdered their young. Now, he had to be punished for that, but not before God gives him a chance to repent and reveal himself to him. So God raises up Moses as a deliverer. You see that in Exodus chapter 3. And he tells Moses from beginning to end exactly what his ministry is going to be. And I think sometimes God's told us what we're going to do for him. We just forget. Or we forget God has called us to do something. And we think... See, in these times of, of, I'll tell you, the hardest thing sometimes for Christians is what we call waiting, but it's not really waiting. You're being developed. Huh? I say, I call it the uninteresting downtime that we tend to have. We like to live in a miracle atmosphere all the time and riding from the chandeliers and seeing healings and deliverances all over the place. But sometimes you need to spend time with God, getting to know him so that he can prepare you for the greater thing. So Moses then is uh, uh, on the backside of the desert. He's actually running from Pharaoh. And God decides he's going to speak to him because now it's time. God changes times and seasons. There was a time for Moses to run and be hid, and now there's a time for him to come out of hiding. And so God only knows when that time is. And so God decides to, to pull Moses out of hiding, and he uh, speaks to him, and he tells him what he wants him to do. And that's in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 7. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people that are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their tax taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good land. I've got something better for my people. When God delivers you, when he works with you, it's because he's got something better for you. Amen. He hears your complaint. He hears your cry. And he has something better for you. And he says, I'm going to bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. He, God always ordains a life of ease for his people. Not toil and heavy labor. Amen. Sometimes if your job seems to be a burden to you, 
you need to talk to God about it because there's an easy way to do your job. Yeah. And, and I don't mean not being there. It ain't that easy. Jeez. Got to show up. You understand what I'm saying? You got to do your job. But the burden and the toil of it is lifted. Amen. Then Jesus said, come unto me, all ye who labor. If you having trouble at your God job, go to Jesus about it. Amen. He will give you rest. Stay in that place of rest with him and just go do your job with ease. And so he says, I'm taking you to a land, but it's already got people in it. But that's not important. Verse 9, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up to me, and I've also seen the oppression. He sees oppression. Don't think that God doesn't see it. He's not aware of it. He sees it. And he sees the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. Oh, Lord. That's the dude I'm running from. Huh? When God chooses leaders, they always have to confront their personal fears. You're not going to go nowhere with God scared of nothing. Huh? And the way he delivers us from our fears is we must confront them. Huh? He makes you confront your fears. You can run from it all you want to, but you get around the corner and think you're hidden, and there it is right in your face again. Huh? Because God wants you to deliver you from it, and that doesn't mean you escape it all the time. At some point, you have to confront what it is that you fear. And he says, certainly, verse 12, certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a token to you that I have sent you. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. See, God gives him a token of his faith after he does the job. I'll show you that again. Because see, all, all you Gideon, oh, I know story Gideon, you can fleece God. See if God going to do something or not. I'm going to fleece him. I'm going to ask him to show me something before I step out and do that. You know. He said, this will be your token. He said, I ain't giving you nothing until you do what I tell you to do. You won't even know what I'm doing until you, you get the job accomplished, and then you'll come back right here where I am. So I'm sending you to Egypt. He was in Midian at this time. He was in the desert away from Egypt, and God said, I'm going to send you back where you came from. And the token that you'll know I was with you is you'll live and come back here and you'll worship me this time. You've been running around here feeding sheep and chasing girls and all that stuff. I've seen you, Moses. I see what you've been doing. He said, but when I'm done with you, you're going to come back here and fall on your face and worship me like you're supposed to. And go bring a whole bunch of people with you. And so that was Moses. He set forth his whole ministry before him day one when he called him. Many people don't get that much information, but God laid out the whole thing before Moses. And he told him, he said, I want Pharaoh to know who I am. Before he lets those people go, he's going to know me and know my power. And so that's why he, he designed the ten plagues that hit Egypt during that time. Because Pharaoh thought he had control over everything. Just because he had some wise men in there that could tell 
future entailed dreams and all that kind of stuff. He thought he had a lock on everything. This is like new age people now. They don't fear God. Why? They got uh, uh, mediums, yoga, all this other crap that they depend on, and they think they got it made. You look at somebody like Oprah Winfrey. Huh? Why do you think she's so snooty about, oh, no, I don't believe in Jesus. Huh? See, she got issues with the church. See, I know people like that. I've seen them all my life. They got some issue against the church because at one point they were looking for the church to do something. And you see people like that all the time. They hop from church to church. She just quit church hopping because she got so much money. She don't even need to. She can try to create her own church. You see those meetings she has with all these yogi people and Indian people and all them kind of crazy people. And she'll say something like, I just think we need to start a church. Well, you got one. You got an audience of I don't know how many people. And still you're not satisfied. Huh? And you won't be satisfied till you come into contact with the one true and living God. Amen? And that's what God wants to do. He wants to reveal himself to people. Sometimes that's why it takes him what, what it seems like to us a long time to move and bring an end to things. Because God has to convince people of the right way to go. See, if you just up and stop stuff and people are still have, still have a heart to do wrong, you haven't really stopped it for very long. But once you bring things down to where people can examine them and see exactly what they are and exactly what it is, then he will... He will move. I prayed many times. I asked God, I said, well, why don't you just kill Jack? Can I pray for you to kill him? I did. I was tired of praying. Come on now. Old, crazy. Everybody knows he's a murderer. Why don't you just kill him? Stop him from killing all these people. And God told me, he said, that's not my way. He said, I have a better way. You notice the better way means that he killed that assisted suicide spirit. There's a spirit that drives things. Amen. Because you don't hear anybody trying to talk that up anymore. It moved from now you can go to Oregon and they'll kill you if you want to die. Huh? In Sweden, I understand, they, they killed a juvenile, a young child that said he wanted to die and they put him to death I see we got people in this country with suicide hotlines for young people so if you want to think you want to kill yourself call us because we can help you live you understand what I'm saying so you got people who are so steeped in wickedness in one place of the earth and then you've got people who are merciful in the other place of the earth but we've got places here in this country where you can go and you know and it's nothing for people when you get to be a burden to somebody you know for them to turn you in and you know just give you a needle and they you know cremate you and put your ashes throw them somewhere you understand what i'm saying and so we we have to be careful folks to hold the line the reason i'm going over these i know these are stories we've we've examined in the bible before but they are relevant all the time, and they're very relevant now. They're very relevant now. Amen. So God then gives a plan to Moses for what he's going to do for Pharaoh, and that's in verse 20 of Exodus chapter 3. And God says, 
verse 17, he says, I, he said, I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and all of that, a land flowing with milk and honey. He repeats his promise to Moses. And they shall hearken to your voice. In other words, my people will listen to you. And they will come, and you and the elders of the Israel unto the king of Egypt, and say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us go. We ask you three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And then God says, I'm sure he won't do it. So God knows in advance how long it's going to take to get through to somebody. But he has to go through the steps anyway. You got me? It's amazing. How many of us would know the end at the beginning and not screw it up some kind of way? You understand what I'm saying? That's why God gives, that's why we live by faith. Faith gives you enough ability to take the next step without knowing what's far ahead. That's the best way for us to live. But God in his foreknowledge knows what's going to happen. He still presents it as though there's no foreknowledge you got me like there's some things that we can do and and we have all the faith and confidence it's going to work out and we said i thought that was god that you felt so good about it he wanted you to feel good about it he wants you to use your faith you got me but he didn't tell you now you can use your faith on this but that ain't gonna happen for you darling yeah he won't tell you stuff like that huh it's amazing it's like that's that's the big secret in god you see our lives are hidden with christ in god they're even hidden from us so we won't screw it up and we just as happy using our faith i get out there use my little faith i'm so glad i'm on to it i know it is praise the lord so God lays out his plan, and he says, I'm sure he won't let you go, not by a mighty hand. Verse 20, then I'm going to stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof, and after that he'll let you go. So he sets it all out before Moses. He says, now Pharaoh's knowing the first time you go to this guy, he's not going to let you go, but I'm going to start doing wonders. See? Somebody like me, I would think, well, just one. Moses had to go back ten times. Confronting Pharaoh ten times. First time, we remember when he, he, uh, he was confronting the uh, wise men of Egypt. And they had rods that turned into snakes. Well, Moses had done that trick. See, all of us have evil power in our hands. Oh, boy. Here we go. Now I got to go down memory lane with somebody. I ain't got time to take y'all back through all y'all witchcraft and mishaps and uh, false promises, lies. You know we got that in us. So the ten plagues really were more to deliver Moses just as much as they were to reveal to Pharaoh the true power of God. Huh? The Bible says that Moses was skilled 
in all of the wisdom of Egypt, and he was eloquent. He did not stutter. I know you've been told that for many times. I don't know why ignorant people get up and preach the gospel, but they said he was an eloquent man. In other words, smooth operator. Huh? Listen, he went on the backside of the desert and found him a wife and went through the right channels to get her. Don't tell me he didn't have a rap. He convinced her daddy to let him marry her. All he did was hang around the well and pump water. Huh? Magic Mike, triple XL. For your eyes only. Huh? True that. Huh? He know what to do. With that Egyptian mascara on and all that stuff there. Whatever it took to get the girls. <laughs> but he knew they were, he was, his, their, their father was a priest, so he had to be cool, you know, had to keep it holy. But he was, uh-huh. anyhow, I digress. But it took, it took ten trips back to Egypt to get the Egypt out of Moses. So remember when he first met God, God said, take your shoes off. You had no manners. It's holy ground. What you doing with shoes off? He had to tell him that much. So Moses was not really learned in the Hebrew culture or in their religion. So he had to be a quick study and train fast. That's why he had to confront everything. See, because at any point, Moses could have said, Daddy, I'm home to Pharaoh. and." Huh? You make too many trips back to the palace and you to live there and then people used to work for you and wait on you hand and foot and all that good food they got out there and you going home to the desert, don't know what you might eat when you get there. Come on now. Huh? A lot of temptations for the righteous, folks. But God delivers us out of them all. Amen. The reason Moses told God he could not speak probably was because he didn't know the Hebrew language well enough. So what did God say? He said, I'll give you your brother Aaron as a mouthpiece. for the, So they were the first preacher with translator situation going. Aaron had to go interpret what Moses was hearing from God to the people so they could understand it. Amen. So he didn't stutter. He, he was cool. He didn't know the language well enough, and he felt like the people wouldn't trust him. So, so uh, Aaron was more like an intercessor for him, somebody to intervene, to bring peace with the people so that he could have favor with them, so they would follow him. Amen? Amen. So, and Aaron was the, was the high priest, and Moses was the prophet. So Aaron was familiar with the, the uh, uh, customs of the Hebrew culture, and as Moses got the word from God for how to set up 
the structure of worship and so forth and so on. It was given to Moses uh, for Aaron, his brother, and the sons of Aaron, not the sons of Moses. So there was no priesthood in Moses' mind, but it was for Aaron. Amen. So it kept it. Amen. So he kept it that way. So then Pharaoh, because he's getting confronted to let the people go, and he doesn't let them go, God says he hardens Pharaoh's heart against the children of Israel. And in the end, the final plague is where God gets revenge on all those babies that were aborted. Didn't he? Huh? He sure did. And so as they are leaving Egypt, as the Hebrews are leaving Egypt, then they are able because of favor. When, When your God is proven to be the one true and living God, there are people that get convinced. So not only is God revealing himself to Pharaoh, but he's also revealing himself to the Egyptian people. They ain't stupid either. Because every morning they wake up to a different disaster. And then Moses goes and prays and that thing is removed. And so God is revealing himself to the people of Egypt to the degree that when the the Hebrews get ready to leave Egypt, they go to their neighbors and are able to borrow all of their wealth. So not only do they leave, but they leave with severance pay for all those years of slavery. So God gives you, if you've been enslaved or you've been treated wrong, you get that back. You got me? You don't, that's not gone forever. God's a God of restoration. So God, when he works his vengeance on evil uh, leaders and evil people in power who have abused power and, and been over people and not treated them well, he gets the fool. Everybody gets their stuff back. You got me? Everybody. You get your dignity. You get your wealth. You get your health. The Bible says he brought, when, when uh, the Israelite came out of Egypt, they were told to do what? Take that, that lamb and eat the whole thing. And if you can't eat it, don't waste it. Go find some neighbors. So that was evangelizing the Egyptian culture and getting a harvest out of a pagan people that God would have left behind. So those Egyptian people that didn't want to stay with favor, they could read the handwriting on the wall, so to speak, before it was written. They, they decided, no, nah, I'm going to make friends with these people. So really, they're giving them, when they said borrow their things, those were gifts that they were giving to honor those people so they could have favor with them. Because when they left Egypt, the Bible says it wasn't just Hebrews that came out. They described them as a mixed multitude. So God will not punish the innocent with the guilty. There were people that that he wanted, Pharaoh needed to be punished, and that was true. But when people saw their firstborn dropping dead and the Hebrews were still alive, they said, "Mm, you know what? When's the first boat? When's the first train? Y'all leaving on foot? Cool. I'll give me some sandals and wait for me. You know what you need. 
want money, you got my, you can have them dishes. I didn't like them no way. I know they China. I know they go, but you can have them. You got me? And so they left. The Bible says with a high hand, and there was not one feeble person among their tribe. They got healed off the Passover lamb. So they left healthy, they left wealthy, ready to go out and worship God. And they haven't, hadn't worshipped God in a long time. Amen? But they, they got, that was a gift from God to get them started. Amen? When you first got saved, you received a gift from God. Maybe you don't remember, it's been a long time ago. But God put faith in you for certain things that you knew were going to work out right as a part of your salvation. Amen? So, so God delivers. Listen, he raises them up and he puts them down. The Pharaohs were raised up. The first Pharaoh that was there during the time of Joseph was raised up to, to save the whole known world. You got me? He was used of God because he obeyed God and cooperated with God. After a period of time, people forget God's in control. So they just got to have a little reminder. Amen. <laughs> And I'm telling you, that's all that's going on worldwide, but especially in this country right now. God's giving people a little reminder. Amen. All you people have been praying for righteousness in government. I hear you. All you people have been praying for changes in the way that I hear you. All you people who want abortion over, I hear you. And he wants to stir things up. Amen. So that his will can be done. So always look. For God's will to be done and don't give up. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word and for understanding, for helping. I am God. All by myself, I am God. Through the Spirit of God. And many people are trying to find out who's going to win here, who's going to win there, who's going to be on top. Who's going to beat the pole? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? But just, just, just wait till the dust clears. Just wait till the dust clears, says the Spirit of God. Stay and hold on to me, says the Lord. For I am taking this world back. Not just this nation. I'm taking this world back, says the Spirit of God. But just wait till the dust clears. Just wait till the dust clears, says the Spirit of God. For just as I promoted Elijah and Elisha, one got promoted to heaven because his work was done. One got promoted to the office of the senior prophet of my company of the prophets, says the Lord. And they went up in the whirlwind and the whirlwind created what? Dust. Just wait till the dust clears, says the Lord. Just wait, just wait, just wait. Just wait till the dust clears, says the Spirit of God. For I have prepared people who are waiting for the dust to clear. And they're going to take the mantle and say, Where is the God of Elijah? Says the Spirit. Where is the God of Elijah? Says, Where is the God of Elijah? Says the Spirit of the Lord. And I'm looking for that bold person. I'm looking for that confident person. Uh, politically correct, just get the back of the line, says the Spirit of the living God. For I'm looking for that person who's going to speak my word in season, out of season, on the sick bed, on the deathbed, 
walking, running, whatever position, I'm looking for that person who will smite the waters and say, where is the God of Elijah, says the Spirit of the Lord. For I'm looking for those who want extreme power. Those who have a vision to see the blind eyes open, the deaf ears open, and the lame walk, and the cripple get up, says the Spirit of God. They will part the waters and say, ha, where is the God of Elijah? They're looking for me and all my glory and all my power, says the Spirit of God. I'm just stirring up a few things down here on good old earth, says the Lord. Just creating a little dust because it's promotion time, says the Spirit of God. And I'm looking for that prophet who wants power, says the Spirit of God. Power to heal, power to deliver, power to change a nation, power to change the world, says the Spirit of God. One who will take the mantle and smoke the waters and say, where is the God of Elijah, says the Spirit of the living God. Just wait till the dust clears. Just wait till the dust clears. Because the dust kicks up what's evil. Some of the people you thought were, ooh, so nice. And you found out, ooh, they ain't so cool after all. Um, just stirring up a little dust. Just stirring up a little dust. Clearing the air. Making way for those who carry my spirit and have that boldness and confidence in me. And want to see things change. Not for them, but for the better who have my heart, says the Spirit of God. And I'm pulling those people out of wherever, whoever, people you don't know, people you don't like, people you love, people you hate, whatever. I'm pulling them out, says the Spirit of God. For I'm looking for those who want to go forth in my power, who have that confidence and that boldness in me, who will take the mantle. <laughs> yeah, I like this. It's part of the Oh, where is the God? of Elijah, says the Spirit. Where is he? If you're looking for me and you want my power, you're first in line, says the Spirit of God. You go up with the senior man and you go up and you create things for me, says the Spirit of God. You create great things for me, says the Spirit of the Lord. And don't worry about the politics, says the Lord. I'm bigger than all that stuff. I'm looking for true prophets who are going to smoke the waters and say, where is the God of Elijah? Because I want to say, I'm here, and I'm ready, and I've been waiting for you, says the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes! The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and it addeth no sorrow, says the Spirit. Come on up a little higher, move a little closer. Come on up a little higher, move a little closer, says the Spirit of the living God. Come up a little higher, come a little closer, move a little closer. Come up a little higher, move a little closer. Come up a little higher, come a little closer, come a little higher, come a little closer. Come a little higher, come a little closer. I'm a little higher, I'm a little closer, I'm a little higher, I'm a little higher, I'm a little closer, I'm a little higher, I'm a little higher, I'm a little closer, I'm a little higher, I'm a little closer, I'm a little higher, I'm a little closer, I'm a little closer, I'm a little higher, I'm a little closer, I'm a little higher, I'm a little closer, I'm a little higher, I'm a little closer, I'm a little higher. I'm a little closer, I'm a little closer, 
Because when I go up, you go up. Just hold on to me, says the Lord. When I go up, you go up, says the Spirit of the living God. And you're ready, says the Lord, whether you know it or not. You're ready when I say you're ready, says the Lord. Just stay close to me. Come up a little higher. Move a little closer. And you'll be right there where I want you to be. Where I can confer the power, the anointing, and the blessing, says the Spirit of the living God. So come on up. Come on up, says the Lord. Come on up. Come on up. Elisha wrote his ticket. He named what he wanted, says the Spirit of God. Start seeking me for what you want, says the Lord. And it's yours. You qualify, because I qualify you. All you got to do is want it, says the Spirit of God. Come up a little higher. Move a little closer. I'm talking to you, and you, and you, and you, and even you, says the Lord. Just... Come up a little higher, move a little closer, says the Lord. Come up a little higher, move a little closer, says the Spirit of the Lord. And the blessing of the Lord is there. The blessing of the Lord is there. Come up, 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 come up. Amen. So it's there for us. Amen. God's not withholding anything. He wants to give it to us. Amen. Well, Lord, thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you that we have encouraged. Come on up. We love you. We love you.